Welcome in. It's the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody's uh, Christmas shopping is going well. And uh, we got a couple of things here on the program today. And we want to start with this. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers football team, which is what I spend most of my time doing in the fall. That may change next season uh, with uh, the Green Bay Packers kind of coming into the fold at the radio station that uh, perhaps you hear me on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee or Fox Sports 1070 The Game in Madison. Uh, also WIBA radio in Madison as well. But I spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time with the Wisconsin Badgers football team. And when it ends, man, it just ends like a thud. And I think a lot of us kind of assumed that we're on the beat, that we would be preparing for the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. Uh, That did not happen. The Badgers' winning streak comes to an end at 7. And they didn't play very well against Minnesota in a lot of different areas. And when that happens... Uh, again, football is a very unforgiving sport, unlike some of the other sports like baseball or basketball, where you've got these seven-game series or five-game series in the case of the first round of the playoffs in baseball in the divisional series, uh, and that's where the Brewers lost this season. But in football, it's one and you're done. And when it ends, it ends on a dime. And all of the preparation that goes into covering a football team and in my case doing a pregame show because it takes hours and hours and hours you only hear the first two hours of the the Badgers broadcast and then it's on to the game itself uh, you don't I, I guess see the you know many many hours that it takes to put that together and then when it ends it just ends and that's kind of where I'm at right now and um, taking a little bit of time off after the season is over as well. But it also frees up some time to do some podcasting, too. So really looking forward to that aspect of it. And listen to everything. There's a season and the football season is kind of at least in the college football season, it's kind of turning over a little bit. You go from the regular season to the championship games, which are coming up this weekend. And then after that, it's the bowl season. And then college football is over. And then the NFL, once again, it's not like it's not always on center stage, but it really takes center stage after the college football season is over, especially with the way that they've extended the uh, NFL season now uh, pretty deep into January. The Super Bowl is going to be the latest it's ever been this year on February 13th. So football season extends, but uh, the Wisconsin Badgers season also comes to an end as well. I'll do a pregame show for the bowl game, whichever bowl game it is coming up. And then it's, uh, you know, that part of my work year comes to an abrupt end. So we'll see what happens next year with the Badgers. We'll see what happens next year with the Packers as well as they come over to our station, uh, 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. And we're going to do some fun things with that as well. Stay tuned for uh, some news on that. We'll do some stuff with the draft. We'll do some stuff, uh, obviously, in training camp, mini camp. And when the regular season rolls around, it will be uh, game on. On the game, if you will. All right, so this is from last night's The Game Night, and I tease a Bobby Portis interview that I did not have time on the radio to bring uh, to the show because, you know, radio has a finite amount of time. Uh, That is not the case with the podcast, so I'm just going to tag it on at the end. Hope everybody enjoys it. This was The Game Night from Tuesday evening. I pride myself on being honest. With you guys. Uh, Bobby Portis is making the rounds. Now, Bobby Portis, Bucks forward, center, big man. I don't even think they have traditional centers anymore. We'll just call him a big. 
Bobby Portis has partnered with Charmin. And, you know, when you partner with one of these companies and they will push you out to everyone that will talk to you. And he's been on the game. He's been on every radio station in town. Uh, he's talked to Jim Ozarski. He's talked to Lori Nickel over the Journal Sentinel. And I had a chance to talk to him yesterday as well. I am not pretending that this is an exclusive interview because it is not. But, um, you know, I had a chance to talk to Bobby Portis. We'll bring you that conversation coming up a little bit later on in the show. But, again, I am not pretending that this is some sort of groundbreaking sit-down exclusive interview uh, with Bucks NBA champion Bobby Portis. It was a fun conversation, though, so we'll bring you that. Uh, coming up live in about 15 minutes, Bucks uh, writer from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Jim Ozarski. Uh, he will join us, our green and cream insider. So we'll look forward to that. I wanted to start the show with this because, again, it has been a minute since we've had the game night here on the air. And I don't think we've had a show since the massacre in Waukesha where that career criminal decided that he was going to plow over 40 people and kill six of them in my hometown of Waukesha. I know a lot of people, myself included, have kind of struggled to understand the why in all of this. But here's just something to honor one of the victims, the youngest victim, 18 year or I'm sorry, eight year old, I should say, eight year old Jackson Sparks. He loved baseball. He was a member of the Waukesha Blazers. Uh, they have been around forever as one of the local traveling baseball teams. And, and when I say traveling, I mean, I think the furthest you, at least when I was a kid, the furthest we went was lacrosse. And that was for one tournament every summer. The rest of it was we were based in Waukesha and you go to New Berlin, for example, or Brookfield, for example. That was our, I'm using air quotes, traveling league. But that's what the Waukesha Blazers are. They've been around forever. And eight-year-old Jackson Sparks was a member of the Waukesha Blazers. And... His mom has made a request that because Jackson loved baseball so much that kids coming to Jackson's funeral honor him by wearing a baseball jersey. So then Todd Ahrens, uh, who I have quoted uh, as, as I've pushed this out on social media, said, let's make this go nationwide. Hopefully my media buddies can run with this too. Share, share, share. And he tags a bunch of people and he didn't share, he didn't tag me in it. Okay, that's fine. But I've been sharing it to anybody and everyone who will listen and some people who probably won't. Hell, I tweeted it to Taylor Swift. You know, why not? You get a retweet from her and you get like 40,000 or 40 million Swifties around the world wearing a jersey on Friday to honor an eight-year-old boy. This is just something to kind of show our solidarity This is just to show the family that we're with them and that we care. It doesn't cost you anything. We're not asking for a donation, not asking for you to do anything other than to, on Friday, wear a baseball jersey. That's it. If you go to school, no matter, you know, K through 12, I know that the Menominee Falls School District, they tweeted me back today that they are all in and they're going to push this out to all of their students. Awesome. Uh, for bosses, if you own a company, if you're a manager of a company, encourage this on Friday. I mean, it's casual Friday anyway. 
put on a baseball jersey, and, you know, just tweet out a picture of yourself. Use a hashtag, Strong or Jerseys for Jackson. Uh, I'm going to. I hope everybody here at the game does. I hope all of you will as well. Because, again, it's a small gesture, but it would be something that would just mean the absolute world to a family who has been just decimated, that have just been absolutely shattered because of a maniac. So, again, you can find, if you, if you want more information on it, I have tweeted out what I know. You can find me on Twitter, at Doug Russell, and hopefully, um, I wouldn't say a little bit of good can come out of this because I don't know that there is any good that is going to come out of this. Guy who never should have been on the street in the first place, mows down, just people just trying to enjoy themselves at a Christmas parade for crying out loud but maybe just an ounce of comfort to the family to let them know that we stand with you, we care about you, we love you, and we are so sorry that this happened to your family. So, again, you can find me on Twitter, at Doug Russell, if you want more information on Jerseys for Jackson, I think is what the hashtag is. At least it's kind of taken off a little bit. But, um, again, it is literally the least we can all do. All right, some uh, business of sports today, and you knew that there were going going to be dominoes that fell, and the dominoes have started to fall. One domino is Brian Kelly. The first domino, I think, was Lincoln Riley going to USC, which is a slam dunk, grand slam hire for the Trojans. Now Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU. I thought that Brian Kelly might be a Notre Dame lifer, but... You know, you go there and you spend 12 years there and you don't bring home a national championship, and I think people get a little bit itchy. But Brian Kelly, the way that he's handled this, eh, it's a little hinky. Brian Kelly told his team that he was leaving via text message last night. We have a 7 o'clock meeting. I'll talk to you then, and we'll address it in person then. Uh, Pete Sampson, who covers college football, wrote this on Twitter. Multiple sources indicated that Brian Kelly's address to the team on Tuesday morning, this morning, lasted less than two minutes. Then he turned around and walked out. He did not take questions from the players. That's weak. I know in this day and age of college coaches up, I mean, Lincoln Riley did it to Oklahoma. It happens. I understand the business of it, but there's also a proper way to handle it, and this is not it. I'm leaving. Peace out. Don't let I'm not going to let the door hit me in the ass on the way out. I've got a plane to catch. I thought that was weak and pretty typical of Brian Kelly. And you can do a deep dive on Brian Kelly and his time at Central Michigan to understand just exactly what kind of person we're dealing with here. And when Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala were on Brian Kelly's staff at Central Michigan, and they were Again, air quotes, I know it's an audio medium, I apologize. Air quotes, invited to a party. They thought they were invited to the party. No, they were invited to work the party parking cars. And Salah and Lafleur, obviously both now head coaches in the NFL, promised to each other at that time, if we ever get into a position where we're a head coach somewhere, we're not going to treat people that way. And they haven't. So, good for them. So, there will be more chips that will fall because as two high profile openings have been filled it's only created two more Oklahoma is a great job in college football Notre Dame is a great job 
in college football. I mean, nothing's been solved yet. I guess it has for LSU if they think that Brian Kelly's the right guy, and certainly I think that Lincoln Riley's going to be the right guy for, for the USC Trojans. But what does that leave for Oklahoma? I don't know. Bob Stoops, for now, for Notre Dame. If you're Jack Swarbuck, their athletic director, you're going to need to try to make a splash. All right, Aaron Rodgers uh, met not the media, but Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk today, uh, Tuesdays with Aaron Rodgers, a usual uh, feature on the Pat McAfee radio show on Sirius XM. They also stream it live on YouTube. Got a couple of highlights, as we do each and every Tuesday night when we have a show to bring to you. Aaron Rodgers today was asked by his former teammate, A.J. Hawk. Well, I guess the kind of the question that everybody's sort of centering on right now. So how's the toe feel, though? Like, as the game went, did it feel like you thought it would? You looked early like you were bouncing around. We all, we obviously know you You want me to get to your touchdown run and everything. I don't know if that was – it didn't look like a designed read. It looked like you were pulling that, and that was – you were becoming a, a solo soldier, as one of your old coaches used to say, and you it worked out. So credit to you. But later, it looked like you may be limping a little bit. Did, did whatever they juiced you up with wear off a little bit? It would definitely wear it off a little bit. Uh, I also got stepped on at, at one point, um, which, which – I'd be uh, foot stomping you all day if I was playing against you. Yeah, I mean, that seems like that we do know what's hurt and how it's hurt. I guess the other team could do that, right? I mean, that's a target. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm, you and Brady Papinga are pretty good at clotheslining people, but I don't remember a lot of foot stomps you did besides, you know, your other antics on the field, flipping people off and <laughs> the back of kids the way you did. <laughs> Uh, but but overall, uh, as compared this Monday to the last Monday, I definitely felt better. And same with this Tuesday to last Tuesday. So, uh, you know, I'll just keep getting treatment. Um, you know, we've uh, we're hoping to avoid surgery, obviously, but the surgery would be such a minor one; it wouldn't be something that that I'd have to miss time with. That's a prereq for any surgery that I have. At this point, I'm not going to miss any time. So uh, we'll kind of reassess uh, early next week and make a decision. Um, but it's not something where I could have surgery, you know, on a Monday or Tuesday and play on Sunday. Oh, so we still might get surgery, it sounds like. Because it was a report you were going to get surgery. Then the report was like, no, he's not going to get surgery. There is still a chance you're going to get surgery on the toe. Yeah, look, again, with these reports, I don't know where they're coming from. Uh, I don't know who's talking seems like uh, there's certain coaches that uh, may um, have friends in the media that they don't realize are actually just trying to report things on. But, guys on uh, your own, on the Green Bay staff, you're saying? Oh, yeah. You, Age, you've known about that. There were guys for a while who were who had their, their people they would leak stuff to. Oh, can't have it, Aaron. Can't have it. Can't have it. But you think that's potentially what's happening? Somebody maybe got word that there was a potential surgery, and then somebody else is like, well, he's not having it right now, and that's why it's potentially getting reported. And the fact that you might still get it on, like, Monday and still be able to play is, I assume, the follow-up would be, why not do it now? Is there something that can happen between now and Monday to find out if you can't do surgery, like a healing process that's already naturally happening? Well, look, when you, when you, the surgery would immobilize the toe. And so then there's uh, that would be an issue the entire season that we deal with. Now it would avoid any, uh, you know, uh, further displacement, but it would immobilize the toe. So uh, we're hoping that with a couple weeks here, we can get enough healing that maybe we can avoid 
doing that. Now we'll reassess, uh, like I said, probably you know later this week and early next week. But um, but the the ultimate goal to not have to do surgery. This thing heals up a little bit better and kind of make it through a few more weeks and and uh, you know maybe doesn't bother you late you know the last few weeks of the season. All right, that's Aaron Rodgers on earlier today on the Pat McAfee Show on Sirius XM. They also uh, stream that live on YouTube as well. That is the State of the Union as far as the toe is concerned. He did confirm that he does have 10 toes and not nine. Also with 10 toes is our next guest. I think most of us had 10 toes, right? Jim Ozarski. I guess I'm just kind of assuming that. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's going to join us next. The Bucks have an off night tonight, but they did make a couple of roster moves that we got to talk about. We'll do that coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. Well, that just hurts. That was supposed to be the Badgers in that championship game. Uh, we'll get into that tomorrow a little bit. I was uh, talking to Jeff Patrikas from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel yesterday at the Cole Center after Badgers practice. I guess it was during Badgers basketball practice. Uh, by the way, we've got Badgers basketball tomorrow night as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, the tip-off is at 8 o'clock. Here's, here's a problem with college sports. Tip-off tomorrow night in Atlanta is at 9 o'clock local time. Now, our coverage starts at 7 with the pregame show. Tip-off for us here in the central time zone is at 8. Now, 8 o'clock is pushing it. 9 o'clock? I know it's television. I get it. It's too late. It's too late at night. These are still, believe it or not, student-athletes. These are still kids that have classes that they need to go to. And not only is screwing the athletes on the court, you're also asking your student section, the and look, the band, you've got support staff that are students, you've got uh, the fans that are students, obviously, that are going to be going to the game. And you're asking them to stick around until 9 o'clock local time, to start the basketball game. That's a problem in college sports. Um, so, and again, 8 o'clock for us, at fine, whatever. Uh, I'll have the postgame show after the game is over, but, man, I mean, there's got to be a little more thought that goes into some of these things sometimes. I remember an NCAA tournament game. It was in 20... I'll say 2016 or 2017. And I believe it was the Badgers game against Florida at Madison Square Garden. And it didn't tip off until something like 10, 15 local time. It's just stupidly absurd. Absurdly late to begin a basketball game, to begin any athletic endeavor. All right. Welcome back in, by the way. It's the game night. I'm Doug Russell with you. Uh, We are shuffling the deck a little bit as uh, we try to get a hold of Jim Ozarski, our green and cream insider. He informs me that he is on the phone with Chris Middleton, and and that phone call is a little bit more important than mine. I get it. I understand. It happens. What can you do? It is what it is. I'm not Chris Middleton. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to Jim Ozarski uh, coming up in just a few minutes. And yes, I will ask him exactly what uh, Chris Middleton had to say. Is that something that he's going to reveal without putting it in the paper first? Probably not, but I at least have to ask the question. All right, I did have one more Aaron Rodgers uh, thought, and 
This was, again, on the Pat McAfee radio show earlier today. And I wanted to bring this to you, and we were kind of running a little bit uh, late on time there, but I do have a couple minutes here. Um, He was also asked about A.J. Dillon, second-year running back, who's been getting the lion's share of carries the last couple of weeks with Aaron Jones' injury. Now, Aaron Jones was back on the field, but he only, I think, carried the ball a small handful of times. Less than, it was less than 10 carries. Um, wasn't really a factor out of the backfield uh, catching passes either. So as it was expected when A.J. Dillon was drafted in the second round, you just look at him and you're like, okay, this is going to be a guy who's going to grind it out. And I, a lot of people have been maybe doing a victory lap over not necessarily me, but anyone who dared criticize the pick at the time. I didn't criticize the pick at the time because I think I saw the big picture of it, but a lot of people were at the time really criticizing Brian Gutekunst's draft, not this past year when Eric Stokes was the first-round pick, but a year ago when they traded up to get Jordan Love in the first round. A.J. Dillon was the second-round pick. Anna Josiah DeGuara was the third-round pick. The criticism that I think is still valid is that this was a team that had just been in the NFC Championship game. They weren't that far away. And they got almost no immediate help in the first three rounds of the draft. And that is a criticism that I will stand by. I'm not saying that those were bad picks. Uh, DeGuara might be a great player. I, I, I don't know. I know that they didn't need an H back at the time. I know that they didn't necessarily need a running back in the second round, but I thought A.J. Dillon was a fine talent. The book is still out on Jordan Love. What they needed was some receiver help at the time. They didn't get it. So that was the criticism of the draft. It wasn't A.J. Dillon sucks. I don't think anybody said that. But there are some who are like, see, Brian Gutekunst knows what he's doing. And maybe he does. But he didn't help his team in the immediacy, and they could have gotten to the Super Bowl last year, perhaps if Aaron Rodgers would have had a little bit more help. And they wouldn't have had to go through this past offseason of Aaron Rodgers wants out, is he or is he not going to show up for training camp when it begins? That's all water under the bridge, of course. What we do know is that A.J. Dillon has turned out to be a fine talent and is doing exactly what we thought he was going to do when the weather turns. And again, this is someone who played his college ball at Boston College, so he's used to late-season bad-weather games. You're going to be able to give it to this kid, and he's going to be able to grind out the clock, grind out some yards for you, and he has. He's done everything that we thought that he was going to do when he was drafted. It just took a year later than perhaps many of us thought that it was going to take for a second-round pick. Because in the first couple of rounds in an NFL draft, you want to get immediate help, and the Packers did not. But they did get someone who right now, certainly, after listening to this, you know he's got the trust of the quarterback. AJ, though, man, what a great kid. He is. He's, uh, again, you know, the the -the off-the-field stuff is very settled. He's, you know, he's engaged. He's... uh, you know, he worked he worked really hard, I think, on the mental part this offseason. And then the physical part has been just really fun to watch. Him running behind his pads and, and using his weight. You know, he had a run late in the game. Um, you know, he, he had a nice cut in the hole, and then it's him at 24. And he just – and he didn't – it wasn't like he even had a huge lead-up. He just – you know. And 
and I'm in the background going, yeah. You know, it was one of those awesome, awesome moments to watch. But uh, the thing I love the most is his personality coming out in the games and him, you know, cracking jokes in the shotgun. You love it, you know, or him, you know, trying to trying to mess with me from time to time, uh, uh, you know, out on the field. I enjoy that. It's fun seeing his personality come out. He's a really, really good-hearted guy, and, and uh, he's done a great job for us. He really has. He really has played well for us and been very consistent in the passing game. You, you know, I was talking, we were watching the film yesterday, and, and uh, you know, I mentioned to, to Maddie we were watching a play where had kind of a full-field read, and I threw it out in the flat to him, and he's got like six yards of separation, second and seven. And he makes the first guy miss. And then he just lowers his head and, and gets, you know, and splits two guys and gets eight yards on his first down. And it's it's kind of a throwaway play if you're watching on TV. Oh, he just threw a flat route on a guy, you know, ran into some people. And, but those are the type of winning football plays that he's been making over and over. We got a second and one, you know, on a different drive, getting down towards the red zone. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, puts his head down in there and gets two hard yards and moves the chains. This is the type of consistent winning football plays he's been making for us that have, uh, you know, allowed us to be a little bit more explosive, especially the last couple of weeks. All right, that's Aaron Rodgers earlier today on the Pat McAfee Show. Just effusive in his praise for A.J. Dillon. And one of the things that I think that we've come to know about Aaron, especially this iteration of Aaron Rodgers is that he doesn't blow smoke up anyone's ass. If, I mean, he'll tell you what he thinks, um, and it's not always what you want to hear. But the thing that I like about A.J. Dillon is that he kind of understood where he was in the pecking order a year ago and only worked harder. And when the decision this past offseason was made to keep Aaron Jones, a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads. Well, what about A.J. Dillon? You drafted him in the second round. Is that st- – yeah, because you know what? You're going to need all of these guys. I think I, I, I watch, and God help me why I continue to watch uh, what has turned out to be one of the most boring shows on television, HBO's Hard Knocks. But Mike McCarthy, the the first episode of Hard Knocks this past year, is, and it kind of crystallized it, for me anyway, he said, when I was the head coach of the only world championship team that I've ever been a part of, we used 70 players. I mean, it's not just... It's not just the 53. And when guys go down, other guys have to step up. And look at this season. Look at how many guys have had to step up. Look at that offensive line. I think that, I mean, it almost seems silly to think about it right now, but there was a thought back in training camp, is David Bakhtiari going to be ready for training camp? Or is David Bakhtiari going to be ready for the first game of the season? No! We're at week 13 and he's not ready yet. You have a torn ACL. That takes time. It takes like a year to recover from that. That sucks, but it's part of the game. And he had a setback, which sucks, but it happens sometimes. I had knee surgery six years ago. It was just a torn meniscus, and I was supposed to be up and walking around after, what, two days, and I wasn't. I had complications. I had a clot. I had some other crap that was in there that needed to be cleaned out. It happens. And I'm not a professional athlete. Never have been and, you know, barely could sniff the field. And these guys have the best doctors known to man, examining them damn near every day. Sometimes complications happen, though. And 
So it was the next man up, and that next man up for the Packers was Elton Jenkins. And Elton Jenkins maybe, possibly, arguably, and stay with me on this, he might be the most important player on that offensive line. I don't know that he's a better left tackle than David Bakhtiari, but I don't know that anybody, when healthy, is a better left tackle in the NFL right now than David Bakhtiari. He was an All-Pro last season for a reason. He got that massive contract extension last year for a reason. Elton Jenkins, though, you know, he's a high draft pick. He's somebody, though, who can not only play left tackle, but he can play right guard. He can play left guard. He can play center. He's the Swiss Army knife. You want him starting, but you also maybe want him starting at right guard as opposed to left tackle. But he can play left tackle, and he was playing an incredible left tackle. And then he tore his ACL. Again, it's part of the game. It happens. It sucks. Next man up. Who's the next man? It's Yash Nyman. You know whose name you didn't hear at all on Sunday? At all? It was Yash Nyman. Because that's what you need from an offensive lineman. You don't want these guys being mentioned by the announcers because it usually means that they had some like a holding penalty or they turnstiled their defensive end and Aaron Rodgers is laying on his back. Next man up. That's what the Packers have been really great at this year. And Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach, deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, speaking of... Football. I know we're going to get more into the Badgers and the sudden end of their... I mean, I guess it shouldn't have been a sudden end of the regular season. There was no guarantee that they were going to the Big Ten championship game. And they're not. But this was a team that started out 1-3 and three on the year. And they didn't really do anything well. They didn't run the ball particularly well. They didn't pass the ball particularly well. The defense, which was supposed to be incredible coming into the season, they were giving up big chunk plays. Graham Mertz turned into a pick-six machine. But then they got it together as the offensive line started to gel, as the offense you know, was starting to, all right, what's our identity? It's running the ball behind this massive offensive line, and they were playing well, and the defense was feeding off of that, and the defense was having a world-class season. I think the Badgers just ran out of gas. Is that an excuse? No. I think they played like garbage yesterday. And this goes back to what I was talking about with Jeff Petrikas uh, yesterday uh, at the Cole Center about the Badgers football team. Getting back to that conversation. I know circuitously, so I apologize for that. And I was just asking him his opinion about the Badgers football team. Is Yeah, they played like... It's uh, a, a word that uh, the last three letters are what baseball players try to do when they get up to bat. They played like poo, basically. And they did. They played like garbage. They were a hot mess from start to finish. I've got my own thoughts about the targeting call. I thought it was, I mean, by the letter of the law, should Colin Wilder have been thrown out of the game? Yeah, but not, but no. There was no intent there. Different conversation. They just weren't the same team. But the entire body of work has been noticed. The all Big Ten defensive teams. Named for 2021 from Wisconsin, Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, first team, all Big Ten. Leo Chanel named linebacker of the year in the Big Ten Conference. Keanu Benton, nose tackle, second team, all Big Ten. Matt Henningsen and Caesar Williams named to the third team as well. And here are your honorable mentions. Literally everybody else. Honorable mention, Noah Burks, Nick Herbig. 
Fayon Hicks, Isaiah Mullins, Scott Nelson, Colin Wilder. You know what that means? It means that all 11 defensive starters were honored by the Big Ten Conference for their season. That doesn't happen. There's a limited number of spots even the honorable mentions can get. All 11 were named. Yeah, you can say Chanel and Sanborn first team, absolutely. The inside linebacking play this year for Wisconsin was unbelievable, and they earned it. Keanu Benton was amazing this year as well. But everybody, every starter got honored by the Big Ten Conference for their incredible play this year. That's unheard of. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I have been in contact now with um, Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He has concluded his conversation with Chris Middleton. We are going to put off our Bobby Portis conversation until tomorrow night's show. Why? Because you've heard Bobby Portis today if you've been listening to the game or literally any other radio station in town. So I'm going to shelve it until tomorrow. And we're going to talk to Jim Ozarski live here on the game night coming up straight ahead. And look, this is a team that uh, made a couple of moves and they're not standing pat. And I think that that's probably proper for this team right now because they've been so banged up. They haven't had Brooke Lopez since opening night. So now Boogie Cousins comes in. Hopefully he can shore up that front court a little bit. But we'll talk to Jim Ozarski about it coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is the game night. The game night continues. Doug Russell with you for just a few more minutes. Joining us on the program right now, fresh off of his conversation with Chris Middleton. I can't wait to find out what it was all about. Uh, We welcome in Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, our green and cream insider. Hi, Jim. How's Chris? (laughs) Hey, Doug. He is good, and and yeah, that's uh, that's the day job, right? When when uh, a two time All Star, you know, Eastern Conference Finals hero picks up the phone, you know, <laughs> I've got to do the same. Mm, right? <laughs> Did you tell him that you were coming on the air with me? No, I don't know, I don't know that it works <laughs> quite that way. Uh, he's got a new teammate, Boogie Cousins, now a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. How's that going to work in in your opinion? I know we worked out with the team for the first time today. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see if his three-point shot is what, you know, Drew Holiday remembers it being. You know, right before he, he tore that Achilles, you know, his last All-Star season, which was, was back in, you know, 2018, he was like a 36 37% three-point shooter, which is, you know, the, the kind of thing the Bucks need from their bigs. Um, you know, he's had a lot of injuries since then, and so – We'll see if that works. You know, he's not a, a big shot blocker like Brooke Lopez, but he, he he's a very good defensive rebounder. So on paper, um, it looks like it fits. You know, he's been a, a backup really, Doug, since that that Achilles injury. Um, everywhere he's gone, to a degree. I mean, he's 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 been on the bench maybe half the time, but only playing about twenty minutes a game. And I think that's maybe the top end of what maybe the Bucks expect. How much has this team missed? Brooke Lopez, as long as you bring him up, because I, I mean, off on both sides of the ball, I think they're really missing him. Yeah, and it's funny because they'll. Um, <laughs> you could go back to last year, maybe the year before. I mean, they they always spoke about how underrated he is uh, nationally and how important he is locally. And I don't know if we ever 
not that I wouldn't believe him, but when the guy is always there, you you just sort of say, okay, <laughs> like, oh, that's how they feel, right? Um, it's maybe not as obvious as when Giannis is out or Chris Middleton. And I think clearly, Doug, um, what he's brought to them in terms of rebounding, the, the shot blocking, how other teams attack Giannis on the defensive end. Um, look, yeah, he's, he's an exciting defensive player of the year candidate, but he doesn't want to be playing the five all the time, right? That, that needs to be almost like the, the, you know, Josh Hader coming out of the pen moment. You know, he can give you a hundred miles an hour, but not for six innings, you know, eight days in a row. So, um, yeah. And then even offensively, Doug, to your point, I mean, he, it was the floor spacing. Yes. And then even last year getting back into the paint and sort of being that other interior scorer, they've really missed that as well. So yeah, Brooke Lopez, 20 games and counting now, Doug, um, definitely missed. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out on what side of the ball he's missed more because you just kind of spelled it out and, and, and went through it really well. And I'm, man, they do they miss him on offense? Yeah, and here's how. And do they miss him on D? I'm, I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know the answer to it. Do you think that do you have an opinion as to what side of the, of, of the court they miss him more on? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I mean, if if you're the head coach, you're saying it's defense. <laughs> well, you know? yeah, but that's coach um, speak. It, it, yeah, I, although you know, in this instance, I think now that Chris Middleton's back, I think it is the defensive side of the ball. I think it is fair to say the fact that Drew Holiday missed what five games, Bobby Portis missed five games, Chris Middleton missed eight games. To me, they missed his offense when they were below 500 teams. You know, I, I think they were able to play defense well enough to win many of the eight games that they had lost without him. I think if, if they would have had his 18 points, you know, because you, you know his scoring workload would have gone up without those guys. Um, and he's, you know, he, he, he had been a 20-point-a-game scorer. I mean, he's a legit dude, <laughs> you know. And, and they, yeah, Doug, I think they missed him more there. I think now that everyone's back – We'll maybe see more of the defensive things because I don't, you know, Boogie Cousins. He, I don't know what he is defensively. Um, he's not Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. and we'll see probably still where that affects you know the Bucks going forward. Uh, Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, our Green and Cream Insider. He covers the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for that fine establishment. Uh, the Bucks making another move as well, signing Javante Smart to a two-way deal, and they've waived Justin Robinson. How much of an impact can Smart have on this team? You know, it, well, it's funny because generally, Doug, we're not talking about two ways, and I, I would say, hey, the only way we talk about this is if so many things go terribly wrong. Well, well. Justin Robinson, <laughs> I mean, they've already done that. I mean, Justin Robinson played 20 minutes a game at one point <laughs> in a stretch. So I, I, we can't just say this is just a thing that, that no one's going to care about because, look, these, these guys have been hurt, and, and who knows? Maybe he, he does have to play. He's bigger. I mean, Justin Robinson – you know, was was maybe generously listed six feet five eleven. Javante Smith is, is six four. So you're going back to sort of that bigger athletic wing. Um, and I think if he's is asked to play actual minutes like Justin Robinson was, he might be more of a defensive complement. I think Robinson was a little kind of taken advantage of sometimes. Um, offensively, we'll just have to see. Obviously, a guy like that, if he's on the court, would be the fifth option. 
So it's hard to say where that you would fit in, but I would think with the Bucks going back to sort of the bigger guard um, in this instance, there's, there would be more of a lean on defense if he is called into action. Uh, you wrote about Giannis and how he's gradually taken fewer shots close to the rim. He's becoming a more effective scorer elsewhere. And I thought that when you get, and I think we see this with quarterbacks a lot that come into the NFL, and you covered the NFL for a long time, um, you get, well, I don't know if Lamar Jackson's a very good, because I think Jackson's still a great player, but sometimes maybe Cam Newton, uh, he was a player who was so effective with his legs and then after you get beat up by these linebackers year after year after year after year, it takes a toll. No matter what quarterback you are, if you're a running and passing quarterback, you know you get brutalized in the NFL because it's a brutal sport. Basketball is far more of a contact sport than people give it credit for, and maybe Giannis's body is responding a little bit more to a different type of workload that you wrote about. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it, it's something that it, it, it's funny because when I asked him about it, he he goes, "Well, tell me how I look different, how my game looks different <laughs> from a few years ago." And it was frankly, I'm like, "Yeah, well, I mean, you're still you know you still shoot." I'm paraphrasing my response, but it was like you still shoot like 75 percent around the rim. However, you're not doing it as often, but you're almost at the same offensive efficiency numbers this year as he was when he was winning MVP. And when he was at the rim all the time, and he's like, "Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's changing his game, you know, adding to his game, um, you know, the things that he's been talking about, Doug. I mean, you know, when when Bucks Twitter and, and national pundits went crazy in the preseason because he had the walk up threes and the debate, you know, the Dirk fades. He's been doing that. Like Bucks fans know that Giannis has been working on all these things for three, four years now. I think it's just this season there's more consistency." He's making, you know, 40-plus percent of those mid-range jumpers, of those 11 to 14 feet. Um, and, yeah, he's taking – I don't know if people would realize that. It's, it's almost two – almost three full shots less or fewer at the rim this year than his first MVP campaign. And, and normally you'd say, oh, my God, that's a terrible thing. Well, A, there's defenses that are, are trying to prevent it. And, B, yeah, like – He's on the floor a lot, and that's, I mean, you know, it's cliche or it's obvious, but that's hard, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so to your point of how much longer can he do that, the answer, we know the answer to that. He can't do that. You know, the game is going to change for him, and so why not start now where you can still dominate at the rim if need be, like we've seen in the NBA Finals, or, as he said in, in Denver, all right, I'll get 28, but – you know, after the game, I'm not so beat up that I feel like I can, you know, play a pickup game right now. You know, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jim Ozarski joining us for just a couple more moments here on the game night. Uh, final thing for you, Suns Warriors tonight. Uh, it's nice to see Golden State, you know, play like Golden State again. But Phoenix, I, maybe it's because we we're still up in the clouds about the Bucks beating the Suns in the uh, NBA Finals last summer. But the Suns are the hottest team in sports right now. Yeah, they've they've uh, they've there's no hangover for them, you know. Well, they won sixteen uh, in a row or something absurd like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Devin Booker, uh, no no Olympic jet lag for him. I mean, he is a little younger than, than the Bucks players. Yeah, they're they're clearly just on on a level right now. We'll see how that goes. Golden State has come back. These are two teams in the West, Doug, that I I felt were, you know the Suns would still be there, and I did think the Warriors were gonna 
kind of make their way back up once Steph was totally healthy and, and Draymond's healthy. And obviously the Milwaukee kid, uh, Poole, has been um, fantastic for them. I mean, that's, that's how these things happen for a team like Golden State. So, yeah, the Phoenix is the real deal. They're, they're good. You know, the Bucks. I think um, – if they can stack a few more wins here, they got Miami coming up. I mean, it, it, it won't be long before you're looking at both finals participants with really, really good records. Uh, no doubt about that. Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He covers the Bucks and uh, just talked to Chris Middleton. So we'll look forward to your Chris Middleton article coming out, uh, I'm sure, in the paper in the next couple of days. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. There he goes. Jim Osarski from the Journal Sentinel as we close up shop here on the game night. Again, we'll uh, hear from Bobby Portis coming up on tomorrow's show. Didn't have time for the Bobby Portis interview. Again, radio, finite amount of time. Uh, podcasting, uh, that is not the case. It's one of the beauties of podcasting. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate most about the podcast medium. So here's that Bobby Portis interview from the other day. It really wasn't struggle, though, to be honest. We were just undermanned. Uh, you know, to us, we never, we never was worried about us losing and none of that because, um, you know, you know, we had a veteran-led team. You know, we've been there before. We know what it feels like to get there. And, um, you know, throughout the long haul, the highs and lows of the 82 NBA season, um, you know, it's going to be adversity. You know, we had some early adversity and um, it definitely um, tested us, but we stayed 10 toes down and we just kept working. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, there's going to be some more adversity um, soon. You know, you never know when it's going to come. But, you know, to answer your question, um, I don't think we were struggling. Uh, we were, you, know, uh, you know, we just had guys out. What has the last year meant to you personally, professionally, your career, how Milwaukee has embraced you? How, how do you characterize the last year of your life? Um, it's been fun, man. Um, just being able to impact winning, being able to be, um, in a winning culture, uh, that's the biggest thing. Uh, this is my seventh season now, and uh, it's like my only – this is my – well, you know, God forbid anything happens. Uh, this will be my third time making the playoffs. So, um, you know, we are uh, a veteran team, and it's fun coming in and playing with this, playing with this group of guys, man. We have, we have a lot of unselfish guys. Um, we have a lot of selfless guys. But speaking on just in general about myself um, – it took a lot to get here, man, to get to this to this point in my career where um, I finally then got comfortable in a situation where I where I have a defined role. Um, I know what I can do to help the team, and um, you know it's expected on a night to night basis. So um, being able to be on this team that you know has championship aspirations um, is great. That's why I picked to come here, and that's why I picked to stay here. As far as the fans and how they've embraced you, you become a fan favorite in a very short amount of time. Did you ever think that that was going to uh, be something that happened to you in your career, having just an entire city embrace you the way that Milwaukee has? Uh, I just go out there and just try to be, uh, you know, try to be the best Bobby Porters I can be. Um, and I never tried to win over any fans, never tried to do any, like do any of that. I just go out there and just try to play as hard as I can, put a name on the front of the jersey. And just let the dominoes fall how they fall, man. I trust my work. I worked extremely hard. Um, I put the time in. Uh, I was home uh, 10 months last year um, during the pandemic. So being able to uh, work as hard as I can to get in the best shape as possible, to get my game as tight as possible, and um, to come back last year and, you know, help the Milwaukee Bucks win the championship, um, it was great. Uh, to have the fans behind, uh, to have the fan support behind me, uh, 
that was one of the things that, you know, as a kid that you dream of, man, that you, um, you know, shoot in your backyard, three, two, one, um, with the buzzer beating things, just practicing, and, um, you know, playing, playing NBA 2K, making your creative player, things like that. So um, being able to have a entire city embrace me, um, have the chance and things like that, have my family and friends there to experience it with me. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong memory that, you know, I'll have for, you know, a lifetime. A lot of memories certainly have been made over the last several months. When you look back on it, and maybe it's hard to say now because you still have quite a few years left in your playing career, but you look back on it, you've got the champ winning the championship at home, which the Bucks, the, the only championship they had ever won was on the road. So it's the first time that's ever happened. The first championship for Milwaukee in 50 years. Then you've got the, the championship parade, the streamers coming down, uh, the visit to the White House, getting your championship ring. When you look back on it, what do you think you're going to take away from it the most after your playing career is over? Uh, after my playing career is over, man, uh, you know, like I always tell, I always just try to, you know, tell all kids and things that I speak to and things like that, that um, you have to enjoy the moment. Uh, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I didn't really fully just enjoy the moment. I was just always trying to get to college. Or when I got to college, I was always just trying to make it to the NBA. Um, I never just enjoyed the process, enjoyed the day by day, um, you know, process and journey that you go on. Um, but now um, I take it a day at a time. I enjoy the journey. Um, I soak it all in each and every day because, um, you know, there's 450 players and I'm one of them. So, um, being able to be in this position to play in the NBA, live out my dream, and being able to um, take care of my family to the utmost, that's what I love the most. But being able to, um, you know, sacrifice, man. Um, sacrifice is a big thing in the NBA, but, you know, just just in life in general, bro, when you, when you sacrifice, man, you kind of get the best out of your situation. Um, I sacrificed a lot last year. Um, sacrificed a lot contract-wise. Um, sacrificed a lot um, playing time wise and all those things just to be able to win and um, it all paid off and then the second part of that man is just you know just always just running my race um, one thing I've always done one thing my mom and my family has always done a good job was just letting me always just pick what I wanted to do um, pick you know I, I got a chance to pick my college I wanted to go to I got a chance to you know tell my mom that I want to leave college and help take care of her and go to the NBA. Um, I got a chance to get drafted in the NBA. I got a chance to, um, I turned out a lot of money, a lot of times to come to the Bucks to help the Bucks win. You know, there was some things said and this and that, like, why did I do that? But at the same time, you know, I, I want everybody just to run their race and just, you know, you can't worry about what this guy has going on, how much money this guy's made. He's won this and that. Um, you know, what God has for you is for you. One of the things that Wes Edens has said, one of the, the team's owners, of course, is that he wants to help players such as yourself invest their money in a, in a wise way. Have you taken advantage of some of those opportunities that Mr. Yeah, Edens has yeah. given you? Absolutely, man. Um, you know, when you first get into the league, um, most guys that, um, you know, make it into the league um, has never even had this amount of money before ever in their life. Um, so when they get it, uh, you know, some – most of the time, you know, guys kind of, you know, spend the money and, you know, they look up when, um, you know, year seven or eight comes 
And then, um, you know, most of the money that they made is potentially gone, you know, maybe bad investments, maybe, um, you know, spending it on things that doesn't help them, you know, make money and things like that. So uh, I have a strong team behind me that helps me, um, you know, make the right decision. Even when I want to do things, um, you know, they'll say no and things like that. So having, you know, people around you, that's not yes, man, that wants you um, to succeed in, 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 in life, not just basketball, um, is the biggest thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's a vital part of, you know, of your life and, and, and your livelihood. Um, you have a short window to make as much money as, as you can uh, because, uh, you know, there's not many jobs that can, you know, allow you to make X, Y millions of dollars a month like the, like the NBA allows you to. So um, being able to maximize your talents on the court, but being able to maximize as much money as you can save off the court is, is just as vital as going out there and playing. And it also opens up some opportunities for you as well. As I understand it, you're partnering with Charmin right now. Tell us about the uh, these endless rolls of toilet paper because, hey, listen, it's something we all need. We're all going to need. And I and, and when the pandemic happened, I think a lot of people were trying to, you know, shove as much as they possibly could in their basement. But it is important that, that people, you know, take care of themselves. Man, for sure, for sure, man. Um, so fun fact, man, I – Played basketball my fifth season in the NBA uh, for the for the um, New York Knicks, and uh, it was like the epic center of the you know pandemic. Man, it was it was very crazy out there. It was like a ghost town. Um, you can hear a pencil drop, a pin drop when you um, go outside. There was nobody outside. Um, when I uh, went to the store to try to buy some groceries and get some some toilet paper and things like that. Um, there wasn't any in there. Uh, you couldn't find it nowhere. You couldn't get any of that. Um, so, uh, you know, I had to fly home to Arkansas and stay at my mom like the next couple months out of the year in 2020. Um, but this this partnership and deal, man, came just, you know, uh, out of the blue, for real, for real, man. Just being able to um, partner with them is great, man. Uh, they have the forever role. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's vital, man, having toilet, having toilet paper, um, is one of those things that's essential. And, um, you know, they have a forever roll, and our team's on a roll right now too, man. We've won <laughs> seven, you know, seven straight games. So I think it's a, it's a match made in heaven. Definitely. Well, how big is the forever roll? I mean, how what are we talking about here? It's the biggest attire, man. It's the biggest attire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the biggest attire, man. I swear, man. So uh, being able to have that um, that amount of tissue in your in your house or, or, or wherever it is, your business, your establishment, um, it's vital, man. So you can have that, put that one thing in there and, and, and like you just keep it, um, keep it rolling as long as it, um, as long as it rolls. Yeah, it'll be, if it's a, as big as a tire, it'll last for a while. Final thing for you is we're joined by Bobby Portis here on the game night. I asked this of everyone who's won a championship or a gold medal or, or an Olympian like that. Where do you keep the ring? Do you ever wear it? What are you doing with it since you got it? Oh, um, I've, I've actually only worn it twice. I wore it on opening night when I received it. And I wore it to the White House. We went to the White House to meet the president and take pictures and um, get shown around and see all the historic things that the White House has to offer. Um, but I keep it in my safe. I uh, keep it in a safe. Uh, Probably just, wise. Yeah, just in case anything happens, you just never know, uh, you know, right now. So um, just being able to um, have it put up and, um, you know, just one of those things that when I'm 50 years old, the uh, Old and 
not playing basketball by before this. Uh, that's one of those things that I can look back on and say, like, that I did something cool and I did something special. And uh, one of those memories that I can look up on YouTube or whatever, you know, social platform that they have 20 years from now, uh, I'll be able to look it up on there and watch myself again and see that, you know, we, we really did that. Bucks big man Bobby Portis, who, uh, again, he's been making the rounds. So I don't pretend that this was some sort of exclusive interview, but I did want to bring it to you here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Nevertheless, I hope everybody has a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week right here on the show. And if you ever want to hit us up on our socials, please feel free to do so. I've got to do some social media management over there. So if it doesn't look as fresh as it has in the past, uh, that's my fault. And uh, I'm going to go back and... And start doing the other part of the podcasting that I've been neglecting while Badgers uh, football season was going on as well. So hit us up on our socials if you'd like. You can find us, Doug Russell Pod, on Instagram and on Twitter. You can email us, DougRussellPod at gmail.com. And you can find all of our back shows. If you would like to go back into the catalog, we would invite you to do so at www.DougRussellPod.com. Have a great weekend. I think I said that once before, but I'll reiterate it again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon right here on the Doug Russell Podcast.